Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Set Tools podcast by Infosec Campus. Um, I met Mike at uh, Black Hat Arsenal. He was presenting one of interesting tool um, in the Arsenal section. Um, I was kind of following his project for quite some time, especially when um, Black Hat Arsenal speakers list was published. Okay, excellent. So. Um, so without any further delay, like thanks, Mike, for joining uh, the podcast. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, for those pe- who doesn't know your background, so it would be best to actually start with like where you started from and how you reached into a level where you write your own a complete security orchestration, which is amazing because I've seen it personally. It's a great work. Awesome. Thanks, Tanoop. Uh, just a little background on me. Uh, I really got into security while I was early in college and I decided I didn't want to be a software developer and as a CS major it was kind of an existential crisis you might say, but uh, I really came across uh, security, I thought it was really cool, started to look more into pen testing and really just did the open source information we have out there, you know, we have a great educational community in InfoSec and I leveraged that to get to a point where I was able to kind of meet someone at a meetup and then got into pen testing that way. So from there, it's um, just going through pen testing, you identify so many operational flaws because it's still a very undeveloped industry in terms of policies and processes and everything like that. It's all, anyone who's ever worked at multiple consultancies, they see vast variations of the way operations are conducted. So that's where tool writing really started to come into play for me is that, look, I need to like stand up this server every single time I do a phishing engagement. Why don't, that just needs to be completely automated. That'll save countless hours over time. So uh, that's really what I've been doing of late is identifying what's kind of hurt my life and uh, trying to, to pull random things together and make it a little bit easier. So um, hide and seek. Um, so those who have actually missed out your Arsenal uh, session, um, I, I've been there in, in person. We didn't see that how the, the capabilities of the tool is like amazing, and there are it's much more scalable as well, right? I mean, if you want to engage like more uh, modules into it, into it, I mean that's pretty much easier. I mean you design it in a very specific way in that uh, in that way, right? Uh, so so talk about like hide and seek. How how you started these ideas and what was your development journey? Well, it originally started as a basic uh, Golang written tool that would call various APIs. Um, I started expanding it to multiple cloud providers and the code base just got so incredibly complex that at a certain point I was like, I need to rewrite everything. And it was actually at CarolinaCon when I was talking about my tool and someone came up to me and like, have you ever heard of Terraform and Ansible? And I'm like, no, but I'll check them out. So needless to say, I discovered Terraform and I realized that they had been doing everything that I was doing, but just way better. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there's one piece of advice I can offer to people out there is if, you've, if you're thinking of doing something, someone's probably already done something in yeah. the development community that does what you need to do and you just got to integrate it. So what the tool came out to be is that we leverage Terraform and Ansible uh, separately and just have a wrapper that kind of combines them together. This allows people to manage Terraform uh, with the Terraform utility itself. So if something breaks inside the tool and you need to deal with infrastructure directly via Terraform, you have that opportunity. And with Ansible, it allows us to have a modular approach to tasks 
like configurations, deploying tools, executing commands, getting files. Uh, it allows users to create their own Ansible roles, plug them into the directory, add a command line argument, and then make a pull request, and they can have a new functionality in our program. Right. So um, this is, um, it's kind of like, I see it as a complete uh, pen test orchestration, right? I mean, especially on a larger engagement where you want to have your attacks uh, source distributed, yes. right? This makes it more easy to have maybe multiple um, uh, cloud service providers and then have my commands run from like different cloud service providers in a possibly a most easiest fashion, right? Um, so uh, was that, because you engage with this kind of engagement more often, and then you find that the existing tools lack something, and then you contribute better orchestration. Absolutely. So there are tools out there that are really good, such as Tom Steele's Cloud Proxy, and uh, I know that uh, I think a consultant over at Black Hills developed uh, Proxy Cannon. Both really good tools, but uh, I realized that I was on a comprehensive, evasive engagement. And for those of y'all that um, aren't familiar with that terminology, it's where I'm doing a comprehensive approach to a pen test, but I gotta be evasive and avoid detection. So I got a port scan, I gotta do all that stuff, and it's, it was really complicated to, to leverage those tools to do that, simply because running like NMAP through a SOX proxy takes forever. Yes. So what I was able to do is spin up 50 AWS and DigitalOcean instances spread across all the regions, and then assign that job uh, using various kind of, uh, what do they call it? Like wait times, you know, to, to sleep and kind of yeah. uh, jitter. Yeah, right. to right. jitter the program and also divide up those host port, uh, port combinations. And then from there, you distribute those to each server. So now they are only hitting a port or two on one of the hosts of the 500 that you're scanning. So now it looks like to the defenders, it just looks like internet traffic. You know, someone could be scraping them or any type of request happening. So it's it's very interesting to get into that space of thinking more of how can an attacker evade their existing controls? Yes. And are the defenders prepared to identify attacks that are done in this manner? Because Let's be honest with ourselves, that's how a real attacker is going yeah. to approach your organization. It's not going to be like, okay, I'm going to run my 65,000 port scan and run it over an hour and then every IDS and IPS in the world will light up. But an attacker that is well-resourced, well-versed in tactics and techniques, I mean, they're going to take their time yeah. and they're going to distribute their source of attack, burn infrastructure occasionally in order to keep the blue team guessing. So it's really evolved around that mentality of as pen testers, we need to take it to that next level um, and integrate more evasion into our techniques. So, so uh, uh, I remember you were also discussing uh, in the Arsenal sessions about uh, you fiddle with the user agents to have like one sort of um, evasion techniques. Yeah. And, and can you explain about all evasion techniques or possibly uh, what evasion techniques are used in the uh, hide and seek tools? Absolutely. So, in our Google domain fronting, uh, for those of y'all that don't know, Google domain fronting was possible through App Engine, um, and I had kind of developed some work around that, and then Google burned that uh, technique by moving the infrastructure of App Engine uh, probably out to a different logical network. 
So now you couldn't leverage the front-end loan balancers to route your request to Google App Engine, which is essentially what domain front-end is exploiting, right? Those, those front-end, uh, that front-end architecture that will get routed to different parts of the infrastructure with your host header. So what we're able to do in our Google domain front-end is we establish our TLS handshake with inbox.google.com. Once it hits the infrastructure, it gets routed to our Google Cloud function. And our Google Cloud function has checks inside of it. So I can restrict it by IP or subnet. I can restrict it by a static header that I put in all my C2 requests. And also I can, uh, my favorite one is a user agent. Because you can trigger on a user agent that is a normal user agent string, right? And you put an extra space so that if anyone is able to analyze that traffic, when they hit that endpoint in an investigation, uh, if they don't use that correct user agent, it will redirect them back to that front-end domain. So it adds a little bit of uh, a little bit of increased level of effort on the team of the defenders to discover this stuff. Yeah, that, that's a cool stuff. I mean, I was surprised to see that uh, happening on tools because a lot of tools actually uses uh, user agent modifications, but to take into a next level and making like slight modifications and then you know, make that in favor of what you need to do an apprentice engagement, so that's that's absolutely great stuff. Um, so you, you had a developing background in the past, that did that help you in building this project, or you just picked up Golang as it is? It was really when I came into Optiv that I met a bunch of people writing Go, and I discovered that it was a really great language in the fact that you can compile cross-platform executables, it has a, a pretty robust library. Uh, so that's really how I got into building tools in Go, because I wasn't building many tools before uh, I really got into Go. So for me, this is actually a fairly recent thing that I've picked up, and it's really been great for learning and exploring how things work in the technology, wor uh, technology world. Sorry, um, But it's one of those things as for advice for pen testers, I highly, highly recommend you begin automating, you begin writing your own tools, uh, develop as much as possible, because all of the people that I look up to are all great developers. And I, I think there's a strong correlation between being a great pen tester and understanding how code works. Yeah. Um, being uh, maybe, I, I, I had a developing background, but I'm not a great developer myself, but um, when, you, when you build code, um, do you have any hesitation to actually push that into communities and then, because that's a great uh, step, because your code is actually online, people can actually see that, and you also need to make it like more understandable to other people to pretty much uh, you know, engage them to the project, maybe get some contributions from the communities. Did any uh, concerns uh, during the development, uh, especially when you're considering that this tool may go into an open source uh, project? Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's the making sure that your repository is clear of private keys, which is uh, something I learned the hard way. Uh, but there's also just that that, con that consciousness of uh, conscientiousness of are people going to like my tool? Are people going to like my code? Or people are just going to rip it to shreds? But what you really find is that people appreciate contributions. And even if it's not perfect code, people enjoy looking at it, messing with it, and hopefully you get some issues submitted, and that's what we're really trying to drive. Um, but it, it definitely was a, 
interesting coming into this and knowing that this is going to be a, a widely looked at open source project. So it definitely increased the the pressure to get it right and really make it usable for people. And um, I do have to give a shout out that uh, my wife, um, Michelle, she worked on this with me the whole time through. So because she's a, a DevOps engineer at Red yeah. Ventures, so it's it helped out a lot to have an extra developer on it. So again, that's another thing I recommend if you're going to write tools, find someone to write it with you. It'll keep you from going crazy. Uh, yes, I mean having a self motivated is great, but if someone someone's there to you know pull you to do something extra mile. Uh, that's a great stuff. I remember that when I was actually reaching out to you, uh, probably a. Yeah, and then I reached out to Michelle to, to connect to you, and then that's how the whole things happened. I mean, that's great. Uh, and it's, it's good to see that you're working together to actually make the tool great enough for the communities that this is something um, that I would wish that I had uh, in my hand when I was actually engaging with like another like a distributed level of Pentest, right? Especially on like red team engagements and stuff like that. You, you are outside, and then you have to find out possibly always to find evasions to the uh, infrastructure and and that's a great stuff especially in these days when when you know you know pentest is, or pentest or rather security is just not black and white now we have like purple teams and blue teams and all those colors are coming together to make security more harder and it becomes pentest is harder to penetrate into it uh, from internally it could be still possible but externally it becomes like way harder than maybe 5 years back Absolutely. Uh, tools, uh, we are still relying on a lot of traditional tools and having an orchestration like this is a great achievement and that's what probably a lot of tool writers need to look up to. Um, thanks for writing an amazing tool and it's a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thanks so much, Sanu. Um, before we wind up, um, do you have any, any advice or comments to the communities, especially for people who are looking up to writing tools or um, some people actually write tools, but they're not good enough to actually communicate to, the, to that to the world and say that, hey, there is a tools there. And sometimes I ended up in a GitHub repository and it's like amazing project, but it's, not, it's never spoken anywhere. Uh, what's your suggestion for upcoming tool writers? I was just talking about this with my wife, actually, because the development world is full of open source, amazing products that are used in enterprise-wide deployments. You know, Ansible, Terraform, those are used in multi-billion dollar productions of DevOps operations. And in security, we have such a lack of open source good tools, because if you walk around the vendor booth here at Black Hat, there's so, many, so much stuff that's pretty trivial, but they're still charging an arm and a leg for it. So what I can recommend is Push your code up there. Develop anything. You know, put whatever like small Python script. Put it on your GitHub. I can't tell you how many times I've solved a problem because I looked at someone's GitHub project and how they solved that problem. And even if the their code wasn't very usable, the fact that that code was there and they shared that information with me allowed me to create something much greater than uh, I would have otherwise because they assisted in that process and contributed to the community. So contribute, 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 and we'll make everything more secure because our tools will be better. Right, right. Excellent. Um, thanks for joining the podcast. Pleasure meeting you. Uh, it was great meeting you, Sanu.